Hey guys, what's up? Just before we get into this week's show, uh, a little note to let you know that we recorded this episode early. So before all the news came out of NYCC, because Chris has been away. So that's why we don't get into any of that stuff on this episode, but rest assured, next episode we will get deep into all the stuff that came out of NYCC, the Logan Reveal, Lion Fist trailer, all that good stuff. Enjoy the episode, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> It's cool. We will have no mirth here. This is a mirth-free zone. Yes, in this comedy podcast. Welcome <laughs> to the Big Damn Cast. <laughs> you <laughs> sons of bitches. Mm, uh, mm, I'm Big mm, Damn Chris. Mm, mm. Uh, I am Big Damn Matthew. And you're Big Damn here, which is nice. Yay! Welcome. You're listening to us either on SoundCloud, YouTube, or iTunes. Remember, you can also get in touch anytime at Big Damn Cast on Twitter and Big Damn Contact at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, we're also the Big Damn Blog on Tumblr. Uh, but this week, we're Big Damn Talking. Big Damn Talking. Because a lot of our episodes so far focused on movies or yes. TV shows based on comic book properties. How could they not be about that sort of stuff? It's airware. We're in a we're in a renaissance where a lot of people, for better or for worse, are referring to superhero movies as the new western. Um whether or not by that they mean it's a phrase or <laughs> they're a common product. Or we're not quite sure what they mean, but let's just be glad that all superhero movies don't star the bloated corpse of John Wayne. So I'm not saying it I mean I, I don't have confirmation that he's got he's bloated. <laughs> Corpses tend to blow after it, it, death. It's either him or the racist talks to chairs um, grandpa that is Clint Eastwood. So, yeah. Cleastwood. Do you think Robert Downey Jr. will be at some kind of political rally in the years to come and they'll yell at a piece of furniture? Cleastwood or most wood? That's 10 out of 10 with Cleastwood again. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had a little thing because we're in this re- re- renaissance. Yeah. Um... We're in this Rene, the character I mean, from Allo Allo songs. Renaissance is a strong word. Well, is it? Mm. Come on, like, on, on average. Because look back to the look back to the the seventies. You didn't get anything till the end of the decade. Oh, look back no. to the eighties. You got nothing but shite. Look back to the nineties. You got mostly shite. Mostly look, shit. Look at the two thousands. You got mostly shite, but what was good was good. And then in the twenty tens, it's suddenly just yeah. been a roll. It's been a roll. It's so been, let's. It's been a real. It's been a real. It's been real, kid. It's been real and it's been fun. It's been real, kid. But was it all real fun? But we gotta go. Um, um, I've got a date with a six-year-old boy. Charles uh, Playquote. <laughs> the movie about the murderous doll. Yeah, it's quite not. Out. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> not an actual thing. <laughs> not gonna murder anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. I'm setting us a challenge. A challenge? This is a back and forth, baby. Are you inquiring about a challenge? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I want you and I to try and come up with a comprehensive list of superhero movies that nailed it. Okay. However, these are the rules. If you bring up a film... Superhero or comic book based? We'll go comic book based because yeah. we can broaden it. But I think, I think okay. the majority of the ones that have hit the nail on the head have been superhero flicks. But okay. we'll see. Uh, we have to come up with one each. One, one by one. Uh, we have to be ready to defend that movie, and the other one has to try and dissect what doesn't work. Alright. And then we'll decide, through rule of debate, slash slap fighting like this. 
if it actually is a solid comic book movie. All right. Okay. What except runny comic book movies or <laughs> slightly dribbly comic book movies? So the comic book movies that nailed it. Okay. All right. Uh, who would like to go first? Uh, should we toss for it? First one to fill a thimble. <laughs> well, for that absolutely disgusting response, you can go first. <laughs> Whilst I go um, vomit into a small bucket. I believe that this, the comic book movie which nails it the most is 2010's Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Oh! Oh! Okay, now you're a little bit more of an authority on this one because you've read the damn thing. I have I've read not, the damn I've thing. I've not read the damn thing, but uh, I, I the movie do... actually came out before the book, the last volume of the of the comics came out. Does it end the same way? No. Good, I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, well, it's a Game of Thrones sort of scenario. Yes, but not quite. <laughs> it's the same basic ending. Is there a door? How they get there is wildly different. Okay, but that's good, though, because that um, means you get an alternate version of the tale. And also and, Brian... And one informs the other, and the other one informs where the other one will go. Brian Lee O'Malley was also very involved in the making of the film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you say, the work on the film then informed his work on the comic. Um, I love Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. It's a great movie. But unfortunately, I didn't go to see it when it first came out. I didn't see it until it came out on DVD. Which is what happened with the rest of the world. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm going to admit my first my first exposure to it was a word of mouth from somebody after they bought the DVD. Yeah. I then bought the DVD. It was it it failed to recoup its production budget and its theatrical run. Hot damn! And it was um, yeah. It was it's an Edgar Wright joint. It's sort of it's so... Edgar Wright's only and and I use this word loosely. It's Edgar Wright's only flop. Yeah, like and. Which is weird, because I think it's probably his best film. Stylistically, absolutely, like, uh, because he's out of his comfort zone. Yeah, it's so... But it is so Edgar Wright, though. Mm. It's so Edgar Wright. <laughs> two um, Edgar Wrights make a... Two rights. Make two films. Make a pilgrim. Um, two, two wrongs make an Edgar Rice Boris. It's... <laughs> it's incredibly cast. Like, Michael Sarah is the titular Scott loser. Mary Elizabeth Winston is Ramona. Um, and then, like, the side cast, like, Alison Pill as Kim, and, <laughs> like, Aubrey Plaza pops up as Julie Powers, and she looks exactly like she's drawn, which is weird, because you look at Brian Lee on Molly's art style, and it's like, how can anyone look like this, who's a real person? <laughs> oh no, Aubrey Plaza looks exactly like Julie Powers. <laughs> uh, Anna Kendrick looks exactly like Stacey Pilgrim. What's going on? Um, Brie Larson's in it. Um, she's, uh, uh Scott's ex-girlfriend. Um, Brandon Ruth's in it. Yes, Brandon Brad- Ruth's in it. Chris Evans is in it. Uh, it's, it's the oh, only yeah, film. It's... it's to my knowledge, it's the only film with Superman and um, Captain America in yep, it. Yep, a pre, a pre, just pre du- Captain America. Double dip heroes, actually, because yes. Captain America, Human Torch, Superman, yes. the Atom. Oh, so, so already it's winning points for, as a comic book movie because it's full of comic book cast and, uh, members as well, and, and Captain Marvel. Oh, of course, Brie Larson, yeah, yeah, Captain Marvel. Damn. So there's that. Hot damn! Call the police and the fireman. So, who are we going to get into? Who's the, who's the next person who's going to go for Scott Pilgrim into a into a Marvel or DC movie? <laughs> oh, Michael Cera is Robin in Lego Batman. There we go. Oh, we can see. <laughs> oh, Keep telling me we see Mary Elizabeth Winston to play. Oh, who should, Mary, who should Mary Elizabeth Winston play? Reboot the X Men universe and make her a rogue. Okay, 
I would watch the crap out of that. She's got that. She's got that kind of like scrappy young charm. Um, it's like outsider vibe to her. She she work with that. Um, it's, it's just great. It's oddball and wacky, and it nails the tone of the comics of just being sort of it's pop culture and out there, and it moves at a million miles a minute, and it just throws so much stuff at you, and it just expects you to go with it. And if you do, you'll have a whale of a time. Hmm. But it is also about relationships and how people completely fail to understand each other um, and how Scott's in kind of a state of arrested development and it's him it's not so much a story at least one person out there took a shot when you said that yeah that's wonderful <laughs> um, it's... <laughs> it's it's not so much a story as a deconstruction of, of feelings oh, told Ma- through a story George Michael um <laughs> Uh, it's it's just one of those things of it's not so much about Scott's development into being an actual adult at the age of twenty three, um, <laughs> as much as it is about the, the people around him sort of breaking off from him, becoming better from it. Yeah. So like Scott's almost dragging people down in a way, mm. but in the but that also makes him and Ramona perfect for each other because she also drags people down. I was gonna say because who, who, who's his who's the girlfriend in the street? Nice, nice, yeah. yeah. Um, it becomes a, a much richer person for Scott breaking up with her. Yeah. Um, but he becomes a better person for having become a bit of a dick as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's sort of it's it's the journey it's the journey into adulthood told through wacky fight sequences. Yeah. And okay. people exploding the coins. Yes, they do. <laughs> it's just nuts. But yeah, I think in terms of tone and execution, I think it absolutely nails the feel of the source material, and it's a great film. Okay, all right. And it gets overlooked all the time. Let's see the checklist. Uh, does it have uh, Does it have sex bomb in it? We are sex bomb. <laughs> oh, the soundtrack's amazing. <laughs> the soundtrack is great. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Does it have uh, vegans with superpowers? It has vegans with superpowers, including a cameo appearance from Thomas Jane as a member of the vegan police. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. No vegan hedge, no vegan powers! <laughs> so, so good. A good move. God damn it, that is a good one to start <laughs> it's off. It's really good. God damn it, Matthew, what sound? Because you just, th- every time you think about Scott Pilgrim, you think of another thing that's great about Scott Pilgrim. <sighs> now you said, yeah, because I'm trying to think of something to, to, to fight you with. But it's, you can't, and I can't. You can't fight. The only thing, the only thing I get at you is with the nitpick and be like, "Well, it's not exactly true with Source Material because it's got a different ending." But they both it's informed the each other. So, yeah. and Brian Lee O'Malley worked on it. So, God damn it, sir! That's a perfect I opener. Because he's, I think we can officially say that that's one that nailed it. Yeah. Damn it! Damn! Damn! Yeah, damn! Yeah, nailed it! Nailed okay. it to the wall! Oh, you swine! Nailed that puppy to the wall! Raging. I'm going to throw a curveball at your, your curve, ass. Curve me. My first suggestion is, and this is a bit tough, really, because it's subjective, is Batman the movie, the 1966 motion picture. <laughs> now, to be fair... You cannot be serious. Yes. You cannot be serious. To, shut up, McEnroe. To be fair, right... It's not true to the source material of the comic book. It's not true to any so source much material. as the source material of the public's perception of comic books. Because 
1940s, 1950s comics co gets whacked in. Frederick Wortham does Seduction of the Innocent, screws everybody over. A load of superhero books get cancelled and disappear for at least the next 15, 20 years. Batman continues, but he's no longer fighting dark criminals and mobsters and everything, psychos. All of his villains uh, are trimmed down and peeled back to become wacky pranksters and jokesters rather Can than actual villains. Can you imagine a gory story where Batman does actually go around and trim down and peel back all his villains? <laughs> <laughs> you harm <laughs> one, one hair on Miss Kitka's head, head. I'll <laughs> peel your skin off! What the fuck are you talking about, well, listen, Christopher? Listen, in the, so in what the 50s, does it nail? In the 50s it changes and it becomes about aliens and zebra print suits and apes and intelligent apes and it becomes about weird shit, right? So the TV series, Bill Dozier's TV show comes around and it's just a farce. It's a comedy show that has enough action in it, the kids will be entertained, and it's stupid enough that adults will be smiling and laughing throughout the whole thing. So that's the show that we've been given. That's the hand we've been dealt. That's Batman. And it becomes a Beatles-like 60s sensation. So when they make a movie... It's got to nail that material, that source material, what the public believed Batman to be. And it really does that. It absolutely knocks on the head. But if you want if you want to break it down to the bare bones, all right. Batman's in it, yes? Yeah. Is Batman just? Yes. Is Batman, <laughs> is Batman just an idiot? Is Batman, yes. is Batman wielding his hammers of justice? Yes. Not so much punching yes. until he gets to the top of the submarine, but still, all right. Are there outrageous villains? Yes. yes. Is there a team-up like there is in any Batman event, of the villains. Yes. yes. Is Robin in there throwing out some ridiculous dialogue? Yes. And also, do they up the scale because it's a movie? Which they do in the all the comic book movies, part and parcel is they up the scale a bit to make it more cinematic. Do they do that in the film? Yes. It's a perfect adaptation of Batman the TV series, which was an adaptation of what everyone thought the comic was about. Discuss. You could totally take this one apart. <laughs> you really could. It's, you could tear this one asunder. I mean, it's... Movie fights, this is not. I'm going to admit Basically it. a feature-length version of an episode of Batman 66. It's campy. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But it's fun because it's a bit pants like it is rubbish <laughs> it is rubbish admittedly like, it's not, a bit long the sets look bad the costumes look bad the story what makes are you no talking sense about the inside um, of that submarine that for some reason is a library with a brick wall with a squid mural painted on it that's definitely a realistic looking submarine set it some days you just can't get rid of a bomb <laughs> The greatest, most tense action scene in any Batman adaptation. It's just poor. What if he threw that bomb on those ducks? He can't throw the bomb in the boat with the snogging couple. Oh, that marching I mean, band. Yeah, He's going to is... ruin their day if the bomb blows up. And Batman would stop a bomb blowing up a marching band, Matt. See, you re- don't believe in Batman's ability to save the day. It really works. The problem here is you hate justice. It really works as a comedy. <laughs> But I'm not sure it's supposed to be a comedy. It is, because it's based on what Batman was at that point. I don't think... I think that's a bit of historical revisionism. I don't know if Batman (laughs) was viewed like that by people until the 66 show came out. I think the 66 show caused that. I don't think it was necessarily a reflection of what was going on in comics at the time. (sighs) God damn it. But... I back out. I back out. You're it's right. It doesn't not good. 
I mean, I love it. It's... I love it. Don't get me wrong. Oh, Matthew. I fucking love it. Oh, Matthew, But no. it's not good. <laughs> um. Oh, God. Right. Scott Pilgrim's on the list. What else we got? Um... <laughs> Again, this might be a slightly controversial pick, particularly because of how the author views it. I'm going to go with 2006's V for Vendetta. Mm. Or as Alan Moore likes to call it. Oh, again. Again. <laughs> um, I... For some people, it's one of the most prolific books, making a very bold statement on government politics, corruption, and the state of social economics. For Alan Moore, it was a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just a fucking comic book. It's just stupid. Why is anyone paying attention to it? I wrote it while I was taking a shit. He did. He did, actually. <laughs> you can still see the marks on some of the scripts. Oh. Um, now, those are the wizard juices. The... Let's wizard not... juice. Wizard juice. Let's yeah, not talk about Lost Girls. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Don't Google it, guys. Wizard juices everywhere. Matt describes me in detail. I wish, no. I, I wish I'd never I'm known. not going to talk to you about Lost Girls. <laughs> We're going to talk about V for Vendetta. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> so sorry I've never heard it V for Vendetar V for Vendetar D- directed by James McTeague and scripted by the Wachowskis who were then the Wachowski brothers um this that's is the sound of them the, the becoming the Wachowski sisters yeah, yeah that's horrible <laughs> um this is a adaptation of Alan Moore's comic book of the same name in which uh a revolutionary dressed as Guy Fawkes aims to bring down the totalitarian regime of, of future Britain, which has become a fascist dystopia. Um, and Natalie Portman's Evie, a young working class woman, not a Pokemon that evolved into one of seven different forms, gets caught up in uh, in the plot. Nerd! Nerd! Only three. Um, I think it's great. <laughs> it's it's got a it's got a like a. Uh, a horribly sort of retro-futuristic version of uh, a future dystopian Britain. It's got an incredibly magnetic central performance by Hugo Weaving, although some of that is also James... Um, what's his name? Not James McAvoy, James... Uh, Billy someone. who? I'll, hang on, I'll get it for you. It was re- it was recast during production. Um, Wait, who was recast during production? V. Oh, so you, Hugo Weaving dubbed him over. Yeah, James, James Purefoy. Purefoy. Um, I did not know that. So uh, he, uh, uh, there's uh, it's just a great cast all around. Natalie Portman's uh, performance CV is again very, very uh, vulnerable, and she's there's a wonderful sequence in it where he where V breaks her down by faking an imprisonment. Um, it's very powerful. Uh, John Hurt's in it. Yes, he's my favorite part. About Stephen that, Fry's in it. Tim Pickett Smith's in it. Roger Allen's in it. Eddie Marson's in it. It's great. Um, those are great British actors in it. Um, and Stephen Rears, uh, Finch is the detective who is uh, sort of investigating being starts to uncover more to the to the whole conspiracy and the the regime. It's, I think it's a great sort of distillation of some of the themes of the book, um, even if it's not a like a very close adaptation storyline wise. It doesn't it doesn't move things around, but Basically, it gets you to the same point, um, and it does end with the death of spoilers. If you've not read *Vendetta*, 
it, it does end with the death of V and his ascension to a symbol in the same way that in the same thing that happened to Guy Fawkes. Well, let us not forget, Guy Fawkes was a religious fundamentalist, so mm. maybe we shouldn't celebrate that quite as much as we do. Um, <laughs> well, surely, it, surely it's the anti-celebration. We're, yeah, not, we're not celebrating the exploding of Parliament, we're celebrating things blowing up! Look at these pretty fireworks! And I think it's... I mean, the, one of the problems with this film is it, is it made the Guy Fawkes mask ubiquitous again. Yeah. And now it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, it, that specific mask as well, that design. Yeah. Um, Which I'm sure the filmmakers must detest. A oh, bit. man. But there's... Um, I wonder how Alan Moore feels about it. I wonder if anyone's ever asked him about that. Uh, oh, he probably hates it. Like anonymous in other places use your... The mask from your story <sighs> specifically because of your story. Because it'll be because of... For Vendetta. Unless I'm wrong, and that design dates back further than the comic. I don't know, man. I think I think the comic might have been the first instance. I remember it. seeing it anywhere before the comic, before the film. And I imagine Anonymous seem to be mostly, like, in terms of the generations, they seem to be mostly our age or slightly older, so there'll be people who watch V for Vendetta as teenagers, mm. and they... You know, they, they've they've adopted that as part of the whole kind of... They, they've sort of adopted it as more of a Robin Hood kind of thing, as like a, you know... Oh, well, Guy Fawkes in the romanticised version of that story. Yeah. I uh, think I think the odd. movie does... Uh, <laughs> it does do a great job of... of, of sort of... Playing. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you hit the right button on the remote. Yeah, it's pretty good at that. <laughs> and I, I just think it's, it, it's great at showing the sort of the downfall. How far... How much people are willing to put up with for a quiet life. And how far they let their society fall before the t- taking action. And I think it's probably a more timely film now than it was when it was released. Bonus um, points for casting John Hurt in the role he's in. Yeah. Because it sort of gives him the chance to play the opposite side of the role he played in, in 1984. 1984. Yeah, yeah. Which is a really good piece of casting there. Um, I can't dispute that one because, again, I haven't read V since I was about... 13, 14, I took out the school library because, you know, the school library now. Had Vichy Vendetta, of course it is. Well, it was, it's one of those, most high school libraries just buy a bunch of comic books and then put them in the graphic novel without section. Without actually reading Without them. actually reading any of them, yeah. <laughs> um, God, I read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen at my school library. That, that is basically just like, that's... here's an old man and a female vampire butt-fucking. It's yeah, like, Yeah, that's great. something. <laughs> Alan Moore again, folks. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Oh, God. Oh, that's yeah. clearly going to be the next film suggestion in this list. Oh. No. Nope. Um, <laughs> I think V for Vendetta, I'm going to have to take your word for it. I'm going to have to take your word no, for it that, that it matches. No, I, I am. I am. But um, I don't I don't know it as strongly as to be able to uh, again, uh, contest I, it. I think it's someone that's got a problem. It doesn't like match the, the plot line specifically. But no, I think no, it gets I, the I think, I think you can, the feel of it. Because a lot of these adaptations that I'm going to bring up, especially as well, don't adapt to specific storyline. Yeah, specific exactly. elements. But I think, yeah, let's let's stick it on the list, man. Let's it's stick on, it on the list. Uh, put it on the list. Scott Pilgrim and Viva Vendetta. I like it. <laughs> that's Matt's review. That's, I think it's a thing. That's my qualification. Does it? Does it? <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. What's next? Picture, if you will, the year nineteen ninety. Do you oh, remember the year nineteen ninety? Okay, where you can probably you can probably barely remember nineteen ninety. Um, be- yeah, I was two, so so you can barely remember nineteen ninety. I, I don't remember nineteen. I, I remember nineteen ninety. I remember swimming around going, "Oh, I'm in a testicle." Um, but yeah, oh, actually, no, no, oh, no, bollocks. no. In nineteen ninety, I would have been like, "Where am I going? <laughs> Why am I no longer in this testicle?" Um, debuting January nineteen ninety one. That's a thought for everyone to picture in their heads. 
But picture the world, 1990. The 80s were full of things, weren't they? They, they Lots were. Of things. They were full marketable of things, things colourful things, merchandisable things. Hell, some parents relied so much on said things that they didn't look at the things the things came from. So when it came to a movie based on the things that their kids were into, I know what you're they were this. incredibly surprised to find out just how much closer to the comic books Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was in comparison to the animated show. Yeah. Now, it takes cues from the animated series. The personalities are a lot closer to the animated series. They've got the coloured headbands and there are a lot more jokes about pizza and things like that. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I'm going to put it out there, on the, the Matt Watson scale of film rating, is pretty great. It's pretty great. It's pretty I wouldn't great. go so far as saying it's totally great. Uh, I'd give it yeah. a pretty great. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I'd have to watch it again. But I, I suspect it may edge towards totally great. Yeah, especially in a world where we have several iterations of the Turtles now, and it still stands head and shoulders above others. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. Um, Now, I will... I will Predict one criticism ahead of time, which is the depiction of the Shredder and his gang's escalation is a bit weird and very nineties. It's so nineties. Well, no, it, it, I think it, I think it's that early part of the nineties where everything was so eighties. Come and hang well, out. We hadn't moved on yet. Come and hang out and play video games and, <laughs> and smoke, smoke and do ninja training. And yeah. now you're part of our ninja army. But using the Foot Clan as a, a youth recruitment thing as opposed to just a bunch of faceless ninjas, with some faceless ninjas thrown in, is a pretty genius move for the adaptation to film. Because are they it shows faceless that... ninjas who were once um, teenagers, though? Yeah, they've all, they've all grown up, but a lot of them are implied to... like the, the ones that they fight in the masks and everything, they've been with them a while. Yeah. The kids mostly just look like kids, because they've not trained up yet. Um, but Donatello, Leonardo... Michelangelo, Raphael are present and correct and very much in character with how we the world sees them. Master they they're like the team they're like the TV versions, but they're a bit grittier. Master Splinter. Uh taught us not to rush to violence. Casey Jones? Is the best depiction of Casey Jones in any media outside of the comics. Because Elias Cody has is great. That's why. April O'Neil is freaking adorable. Her mm. reaction to first meeting Splinter is one of my favourite things in the world. Splinter is a puppet and a damn good looking puppet at that. We got a funky version of the origin. I think that's the only version where the origin is like straight up the proper one, isn't it? Like where he was a rat. Uh, yes. Because originally he was a rat, wasn't he? And he trained alongside his master. There's the montage, the flashbacks of him in shadow. Where his master's like doing his poses, and you can see the rat doing the poses in, in the shadow. <laughs> um, who then? Who then? Hang on. Wait. No. Wait. Splinter's origin. Splinter was a man, wasn't he? No, that's right. The film's the one that the, the Splinter, I think, was a... Ma- no, they've changed it since... I can't remember. Basically... I'm going to look it up. There are two versions of Splinter's origin. There's one a lot of Splinter's them, around. One of them is where he is uh, Himato Yoshi. One of them is where he was a man dreaming he was a rat. The other one is where he was a rat dreaming he was a man. <laughs> All right, steady on. Um, <laughs> God. One of them, he's Himato Yoshi, and he gets turned into a rat. And the other one is he's the rat belonging to Himato Yoshi. Yeah. Um... Because Himato Yoshi was Orokusaki's mortal enemy, Orokusaki being the Shredder. Shredder is one and done in this movie. He shows up, he kicks everyone's arse, and it takes Splinter's intervention to actually defeat him. The action sequences are pretty great. The music is free. Like 
like the music is great. The entire bit out on the farm at the end of the second act when everybody's at the lowest ebb is great. When um, what's it? I think he's recovering. He's in the bath. Uh, <laughs> it's like the porno. Awesome. Um, it's just a great movie, man. It's freaking great. The guy who plays Raphael, who does the voice of Raphael, cameos in the movie as the guy in the cab, which Raphael in his trench coat rolls over the, the hood of when he's crossing the road and he has a go at him. The taxi's like, hey, watch where you're walking, pal. And he's like, I'm walking here. And the guy in the back of the cab is Raphael's voice actor. And he goes, uh, the taxi driver's like, what was that? And he goes, like, look like a giant turtle in a coat and hat. It's like, uh, it's funny because you're him. Just um, to clear things up, by the way. Yeah. Oh, God. The, in the original version of the comics and this version of the film, Splinter is the pet rat of Hamato. Yeah, so. He's Hamato only... Yoshi in the 87. Oh, animated series. Yes, the 2012 animated series. Yes, and... because um, because Karai turned out to be his daughter in yes. the 2012 animated series. And spoilers for season two. The um, <laughs> the new films. Okay, so I think the new films is like he's like him and the turtles are the reincarnations of Hamato Yoshi and his four sons or something like that. Oh, but I've not seen them, so I don't know. Dumb, but also kind of an interesting take on it. But that's um, cleared that up. Okay, so basically this... The Splinter Origin Paradox. This and the 2003 animated series, then, I guess, are the only ones that do the accurate origin, Matthew. That source material accuracy right there. Yeah. They nailed it. He's by Jay. He's, He's also performed by rat. the guy who was Elmo at the time as well. Brilliant. So that's a winner, who was a big, bulking black guy voicing a frail Japanese guy. Awesome. <laughs> because awesome. of course. Um, the turtles are great. The weapons are actually used in this movie. So we get some action with bow staffs and size and, and, and nunchucks and everything. Yeah. I'm throwing it out. I think that one is one of them. I think that I think that's one of those comic book movies that nails the source material. In this case, comic book and a sprinkle of the animated series that made him popular. Just a little sprink. Just a little Just sprink. Just a filthy sprink. Think. Don't be finishing drive. Splink. That's a very specific reference. Take um, a shot if you got it. Yeah, I think you can I think we can <laughs> safely put TM turn Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on that list. It's um on its own though. Don't bring any of its sequels with it. Well, not secrets in use. No, because they don't use the weapons at any point. No. It got PG certificated because parents complained about the first one. You get Toka and Razor who don't get cool until the 2012 animated series. <laughs> Mommy Shredder, like oh, and you get Super Shredder who rocks up and then a pier falls on him and that's it. Cool. And then Michael Bay tries to out Super Shredder, Super Shredder. In the 2014 yeah. movie, I need to get around to watching that. It's on Netflix. We should do it. I think we should make some, a night. We should make a night of it. We should... For some reason, we might. We'll, we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. I need to see season three and season four of the Twenty Twelve series. I've seen a bit of season three. Amazing. It's quite good. It's very good. Is it the first bit where it's all like sort of horror story style stuff? Mm. The first few stories are basically horror movies. Mm. So you've seen, you seen the Dream Beavers? No, I've seen the Dream Beavers. Oh, that's good. Robert Englund voices two of them. Of course, which is quite nice. Of course, touch. he does. Oh, mint. Um, I've seen the episode where um, <laughs> David. Uh, oh, I can't remember his name. The guy who plays Low Pan in Big Trouble in Little China plays. Oh, that's the uh, series two. Yeah, yeah. yeah where he plays a. He's brilliant. a ghost, and he's in like he's got the same kind of voice it's, and everything. It's, it's and... Am- he's playing Whole Chan instead of Low Pan. It's yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's and he turns he turns the he turns the purple dragons into the three storms, mm-hmm. and then he give he sees the turtles more powerful, so he turns three of the turtles. He turns um, Leonardo, Raph, and Donnie into yeah. the three storms instead. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that that is a thing? It's there is an episode amazing. of the 2012 Ninja Turtles show it's that is basically good. just a loose remake of Big Trouble in Little China. It's real good. With Ninja Turtles. It's real good. God, um, I love that show. 
I need to watch more of it. It's it's a real good show. Um, okay, well, I'll give you that. I'll give you TMNT. Let's put it on the and list. I'll see. I'll see TMNT. Oh, I not TMNT. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because TMNT is a different version. Uh, that is a good movie too, but I won't put that one in there yeah. because it's uh, it's sort of it's in that weird it's in that weird loophole where it's it's not quite a sequel to the original three movies, mm-hmm. but it is a sequel to the original three movies. But there's so much of it that's different that it doesn't quite work like that like Casey and April are played very differently by Chris Evans and Sarah Michelle Gellar respectively yet the trophy room at the end where Splinter puts uh, one of the trophies from the end of the story has nothing but items from the three movies in it so it's like oh so it is a sequel but Karai's in it and she implies that Shredder's coming back even though he's been killed twice <laughs> quite severely well you know <laughs> you can't keep a good Shredder down you can't even crush him by trash compactor he'll still live Oh my god. Matthew! Matthew! I'm going to see your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I'm going to raise you 2012's Dread. <gasps> yes, bitch! <laughs> because, Christopher, how good is Dread? There is only one answer to that, and that's very. Are and that, you... that E was extended because my, uh, my personalised gun was charging before it was about to. Are you ready? You ready? You look ready. Oh god! It's it's so good. Do you it's, know what? I'm... After the after the shit show that was <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's um, Judge Dread from which understands that Judge Dread is a comic book, but thinks that all comic books are for children. Um, <laughs> and you mean they're not? It was a comic. It was a Judge Dread movie written by someone who's never read a Judge Dread comic. <laughs> um, then again, they bring this along, and it's just that uh, Carl Urban just owns the role. Yes, of Dread does. never takes that helmet off. Uh, written and produced by Alex Garland, directed by Pete Travis. They just understand the grittiness and the the dourness, and the the dourness and the sourness. <laughs> And the the, the, the grimness of the dystopia that is Mega City One, and they bring it with, um, they bring it with dread. And it, it's it was one of those kind of dueling movies things that came out around the same time as the Raid, and it's basically a, a you fight your way up a tower block. It's a remake thing. of the Raid with a dude in armor. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and a psychic. And like the Raid, it's great. Um, <laughs> it's it's visceral. It's violent. It's nasty. Um, Lena Headey puts in an incredible performance as Marmar, mm-hmm. the, uh, the drug peddling villain. Um, Olivia Thilby's Judge uh, Janderson is like a, a good like way in character. Yeah, it's, it's a, a smart move to tell the story yeah. through her. Yeah, because because you don't Dread isn't someone you you don't you don't, your audience isn't going to see the world through Dread's eyes. Dread is a person who, except with the Batman movie, the the, the best times about. Best time, a lot of times Batman works best on screen is when you're seeing him from the perspective of other characters. Yeah, Vicky Vale um, and stuff like that. Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to bust that body. Um, yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Just out there. <laughs> the man. But, um, that's dread. Yeah, it, just get, it just gets rid of all, like, because <laughs> you look at the 1995 movie and everything's. All Jean Paul Gaultier and over designed and mm. figure hugging, and then you get you look at the. And it's, so, it's, looks... like a, it's almost like an it's like an audition for the fifth yeah. element. Yeah, like it's yeah, really... yeah. It's like a yeah. Is it was did Luke Besson direct? Just dread. 
I don't think it is. It looks like a Luc Besson movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like in, not in a good way. Because um, I love the fifth element. Two seconds away from Dread! Dread my Where is Um Storming in. But no, the, the 2012 Dread is, is gritty mm-hmm. and, and dirty and real and it's it's just a really <laughs> good, solid action movie. It, it doesn't great, look like it's ever going to get a sequel or a continuation, which is a real shame. They're pushing for a Netflix show as yeah. a follow, which I would watch the crap out of. But um, in a world with the Marvel Netflix stuff and shows like Narcos and Breaking Bad and everything getting exposure heavily through streaming services, Dread as a Netflix series would be phenomenal, I mean, especially because the movie's already on there. Like, just do it. Just add the series as well. Cal Urban did really. He's he's very open to returning. Sylvester Stallone plays Sylvester Stallone dressed in a sort of Judge Dredd outfit. Mm. Carl Urban did weeks of muscle training to find a way to comfortably have his face in that grimace the whole time. He he tells, he he gives so much with just a, a, just this. He's he's not expressive. No. And yet you know everything he needs to tell you through his performance. You get it all. Um, Anderson's my favourite part of that movie. She plays that so well, especially the scene where she goes into that guy's mind and he tries to sort of take advantage of it and she just completely flips the switch. Yeah. Um, she's incredible in that film. The action is great. Uh, I'm going to have to dispute it because that's the rules of the game. It's hard to do that. What? I know. What? Um, Judge Dredd isn't that um, held back as a source material. Judge Dredd gets a bit more fantastical. So I would say that that movie is not so much an adaptation that nails it, so much as a starter. It's like a fresher course. Now, if that was the movie universe that film takes place in, like if it continues as a Netflix show or whatever, and it keeps that tone, fair enough, because it's a tone I like, and it's a style I like a lot, and it's actually paying me to say this, but I've got to be deconstructed. Um, whereas, that means you're going to lose out on a lot more of the fantastical elements that do come along with the See, I don't format. think I didn't. I don't think so because you've got they already int- they introduce Anderson as a judge from the side division. So yeah, you know you've got psychics. Yeah, and you've also got anything else things fun- like the any- drug. Well, anything else fantastical happens is chemical and it's perception. It's not actually happening. Well, the- mm, so that's this oh. is not, I could not see introductions to characters like say Judge Death in this world. Ah, oh, I don't know. I, Which means think, you are going to lose out on so many opportunities I think opportunities Anderson being a side judge kind of opens that door. Maybe, but I think you'd have to... There needed to almost be just maybe one extra element of fantasticalness in this movie. Maybe one extra thing to, to tease the expansion. Because the side thing is play, is downplayed. It's played quite quietly. You do, it, is, it is a good representation of early Judge Dredd. You don't get Absolutely. Judge Dredd for a while. I've, in terms of consistent Dredd, I've only read like the first couple of years of it. Yeah. And it is low down and gritty and everything. But if you were to go even, on... Even including the robot revolution. Yes. <laughs> but if you were to go on, you'd need to... I mean, that's all, all, maybe all it would take is just a robot. I've one robot in there at one point. Are there be no enough robots to, in it? Not to my knowledge. I think that you, you see like more automated machinery, but because we spend time in... Uh, what's the tower called? What's the tower book? I can't remember what the tower book Because we spend time there, it's boiled down to just like the basics, so we don't get to see that world. But it would have been nice to have teased it early on. I, I'm gonna. I'm, this you pains oh, me. Oh no, don't do this because you know you're wrong. I know I'm kind of. You know wrong. you're wrong. I'm kind of wrong, and I have mad extra respect for that movie because they're one of those few things that when they put out the Blu-ray, it included the 3D and 2D as standards. <laughs> I don't think I can allow it. 
I think it's a, I think it's a freaking amazing movie. Oh, he's gone. He's left. He's physically. He's left. He's he's left. He's actually gone. He's he's yeah. Matt has, Matt's gone. Uh, right. Uh, guess. Guess it's just me now. Um, but all I know when all I know when I'm alone is, is my own, body. So I get. Oh hey hey, you're right. Welcome back. I wasn't taking my pants off. They can't see that. <laughs> they can't see that. They can't see that. There we go. Ah. Oh. Oh, that looks painful hitting your fist like that. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh. It's me kicking the piss out of Chris. Ever loving piss out of Chris. Disallowing dread. Oh. You're going to regret that in future years. I will. In your private moments in all the years to come. <laughs> remember. The one time you disallowed dread. The one time. <laughs> now... I think it's a phenomenal movie and it's an incredible film. If you've never seen it, go and see it and it is brilliant and it does depict just generally well. But I don't believe that it's in the world. Like, that I need to see more. I need to see more. Christopher, you're wrong. I am wrong. But so right. What's your next pick? My next pick, good sir. <laughs> if I can remember that, I'm so terrified. We, we, we've got a bit of a rule, a rule which we forgot to mention at the beginning is it would be unfair to dip into this specific selection too much simply because Marvel tend to, Marvel Studios tend to nail it across the board in terms of tone and, and depictions of their characters Nailed on the big screen. It. But I would be remiss if I were not to at least throw... Would you be remiss, though? To at least throw the hat of Dum Dum Dugan, the Howling Commandos, and Captain America the First Avenger into the ring. Because Captain America the First Avenger is a cinematic translation, almost beautifully, of the comic book from the 1940s to the cinema screen. It takes a period superhero who's ridiculous on the surface from the name costume alone. People balk. People balk, sir! Some people still balk to this day at the notion of Captain America. Not only makes it legitimate, not only makes you go, oh, that's why people have stuck with this character for years, but also delivers, essentially, Indiana Jones with superpowers. Ain't fighting Nazis with whips. Don't flip the bird at me. <laughs> this is an audio. This is an audible medium. Don't flip the bird my way. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. Chris Evans takes a character that could be absolutely butchered by anyone. Hell, it was twice before in two separate Captain America movie attempts at a franchise, both of which, if I recall, had sequels. Both terrible. Both forgotten. Because this one nailed it, good sir. It nailed it. Think about it. Red Skull. German? Yes. Not Italian. Stupid TV series. TV movie bullshit. Red Skull German. Played by your boy, Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Yeah. Bring in some intimidation. Toby Jones. Getting in there as Arnim Zola. Yeah. So you got some class. Got some real menace. Some villainous nonsense. Hayley Atwell. See? You, you just twinkle in your eye appeared when I said Hayley Atwell's name. Because that was the time she wiggled into our minds... That was when she sprung out of nowhere and kicked a soldier in the balls. Does she kick him in the balls? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, pretty she sure she kicked someone in the balls at some point. But Tommy Lee Jones in the MCU. There's a little twinkle Playing in my eye. Tommy Lee Jones and nailing it, sir. There's a, there's a sad <laughs> twinkle in my eye because I know I'm going to have to disallow this one. <gasps> you bitch. You beautiful but I'll bitch. Let you get, I'll let you dig your hole before I fill it in. I mean, to be fair, we don't have Kid Bucky running around going, Oh, gee, Steve! 
but we still get that relationship. We see that there is a dynamic betwixt them. We feel that brotherly love before he gets kicked off the train in that rejected uh, portion of the train level from Uncharted 2. It's... <laughs> and it is, let's be honest. Um, it is a damn fine period movie. Uh, that's not That doesn't mean you can watch it for three to seven days of the month, once a month. I mean, it's a damn fine period piece set within the Second World War, featuring Captain America that doesn't feel cheesy, doesn't feel hammy, and is freaking great. It nails it. It nails the material, it nails the feel, and by Jiminy Greaves, he's a star-spangled man with a plan. I love the first Avenger. You do? We watched it together, actually. really great movie. We watched it together in the cinema. Yeah. I think it's really great. It's really great. Oh god. But Oh god. Oh shit. It is not Shit Biscuits. It is not a faithful adaptation of the comics from the nineteen forties. Are you gonna say because he doesn't punch Hitler in the face? Because, because he does. Because although it's during the Star Spangled Man montage of movies. He doesn't so. actually fight any Nazis. Uh I think you'll find that he does in spirit. And he's not on the front lines. I think you'll find that he does in spirit. And a lot of the stuff that's great about the movie is the way that it deconstructs the earnestness of those early appearances, which in those early appearances are just completely earnest. He's telling you to buy war bonds because he wants you to buy war bonds. <laughs> I think. Yeah, but yeah, but Matt, Matt, there is a degree of Matt, historical revisionism. You should, you should buy war bonds. A, a bit of historical revisionism. Um, that uh, makes that stuff work better. With the angle of the films throw on it. And um, it is very much a modern version of Captain America. It's not... It's not a... Um, it's not an accurate representation of the 1940s style of Captain America. And if you're, if you're going to disallow Dread because Judge Death couldn't be in it, then I have to disallow Captain America the First Avenger for the simple fact that he doesn't actually ever fight any Nazis. Yeah, but Tommy Lee Jones goes, I ain't kissing you. I, oh, I love Tommy Lee Jones. I love the movie. I love it so much. I think yeah. it's amazing. And I think it's well, a great modern interpretation of Captain America, but it's not an accurate representation of the being the 1940s. Well then, good sir. Fair enough. Sorry, Cap. Matthew doesn't like democracy or righteousness. <laughs> Matt isn't a fan of justice. Matt wants the Nazis to win. Okay, okay. <laughs> the fictional Nazis. I think... The fictional super magic worshipping Nazis with the blue ray guns. I think we should do one more each and then maybe table this discussion for that's, a later that's time. That's a good shout. We I, can I, definitely come back to this. I have one more. And I... Yeah. And I think we can... With a bit of watching, we can we can, yeah. we can pull some more material for this. Out of our ass. Yeah. <laughs> What is your final film, you great big handsome swine? Uh, back to the Marvel well, but not the Marvel MCU. 2008's Punisher Warzone. <gasps> the Lexi Alexander directed flick starring Ray Stevenson as not Thomas Jane. As not Thomas Jane. Hmm. Um, for I think it's a very accurate representation of the Punisher Max stuff. It's heightened violence to the point of being <laughs> ridiculous. That was a punch, but I did it on the seventh story. But it's it also... heightened violence. It's, it's also in a very Terrible. gritty, real, violent world with real consequences for everyone who gets involved. Um, Namely bullets. And it's nasty. It's a nasty movie. It is a nasty film. Nasty and dark and violent. And uh, even with uh, uh, Dominic West playing, playing, to the, uh, playing to the gallery... <laughs> with his uh, with his louder than life jigsaw, 
And uh, <laughs> played to the gallery. That's a perfect description. And Doug Hutchinson's. He's just watching the crew smile, and that's the only reason he's doing what he's doing. Doug Hutchinson basically being like, "Oh, we saw you in X Files, and thought you were really creepy as tombs. Come and do that in our movie." Um, <laughs> but it's got. It strikes the perfect balance of nastiness and stupidity. I think. For um, for a Punisher movie that you can enjoy, and also Punisher's just. They don't try and humanise him. No. Or make him sympathetic. He's just a force of nature. Yeah. He just appears, fucks everyone up, and then goes. <laughs> doesn't try and get attached to anyone. Doesn't try and doesn't try and like form any relationships, just He has a, he has a, he has a business relationship with Micro, and that's it. Yeah. Damn that I mean It's Yeah. It's it, hard to dispute. Um He does shoot a parkour dude in midair with a rocket launcher. Yeah, he, he does. also punches <laughs> through a dude's face. Yes, he does. He also puts Dominic West in a glass grinder, and yes. he then gets his face reconstructed with horse hide. <laughs> um, it's oh, it. wonderful. Hmm. And also, Dennis Dennis Nedry's in it, but he's deflated. Yeah, Wayne Knight, tiny Wayne Knight, yeah. a tiny Wayne Knight, <clears throat> Wayne evening, and then get shot. Yeah, um, that's a tough one to dispute. I mean, it's. I'll, I mean, I will I, say I'm this. not attached to it, so I get, so I get it. But I think it's the yeah. It's a, Daredevil aside, I think it's the most accurate to the comics rendition of the Punisher. Well, I was gonna say, I as far as a pun, if I had to pick between the two movies, one to whack on, giggity. I'd probably pick the 2004 Thomas J movie. You're just... fucking mad. Yeah, I know I am. But it's not be... good, Chris. No, but only because if I'm putting on a Punisher movie, it's not because I'm settling down with a bucket of popcorn. It's because I kind of want something loud and noisy to play in the background. Yeah, the war's only still better than Thomas J Punisher. But you get the giggles when you get the shitty um, John Travolta villain. In 2004, Howard Saint. See, the Thomas Jane one pisses me off because they try to adapt Welcome Back Frank, but they don't have any of the good stuff about Welcome Back Frank. Yeah, they don't have Mamanucci no. and, and all that. But you do get the fight with the Russian, which is a pretty sweet sequence. That is pretty or is great. They, or as they called him on the, on the Weekly Planet recently, Giant Popeye. Giant Popeye! That's a good description, actually! Giant Popeye the Russian. Uh, they were talking about this on Weekly Planet, I think, this week. The swines copying us. The loot crate. Well, they're just they're just, they're just the Australian version of us, right? That's yeah, how we work. They, we, we're, we're that popular, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we're someone's official podcast. We have sponsorships. We're the official podcast of this room. <laughs> um, but yeah. Ah, oh, but the thing because also because I find Punisher Warzone less palatable. Oh, it's definitely yeah. It's. But that mm. being said, a lot of what the Punisher stories it ain't palatable are like aren't palatable at all. I think Daredevil hits that perfect middle ground. Like you get him, you understand his motivations, but you're also disgusted by some of his actions. Thomas Jane's one is a bit more of a hero's journey, but it, that still means that he still dishes out the violence and the punishment, but it's to the bad men. You don't get the sense that he's a bad man himself because he is. The Punisher is. He's. he's He's doing horrible He's things. He's a murderous psychopath. Um, and you definitely get that with Warzone. Uh, uh, mm, hey, baby. 
we don't get much of the Punisher in it. Like, he doesn't say very much. Which I think we don't get internal monologue. Probably we... for the best. Yeah, but at the same time, what I do want from a Punisher story, this is my personal preference, is, is I want Frank. I want him. I want to at least root for him a little bit. Whereas in this movie, I'm just as terrified of him as I am of them. He should be. He's a murderous psychopath. Hmm. It's, oh, it's Broken tough. inside. It's tough because I think Daredevil's. I think Daredevil nailed it. I think Daredevil did. And it's it. kind of made me think of those the the two Punisher movies. Well, there's three Punisher movies in there, but the two Punisher movies as hmm in terms of getting him. Um, do you know what? I mean, it's certainly I'm, a closer adaptation than the Dolph Lundgren. I'm not gonna. Will- oh Christ! He's got a skull on his knife. That <laughs> means he's the Punisher, right? He's got a skull on his knife. I'm not gonna allow it. But in exchange, I will open up the VIP rope for Dread. Because now I feel really are bad. Are we going, are we going one? I am retroactively. Are we going tit for tat? I am retroactively taking Dread, because I think Dread does nail it a bit more than Punisher Warzone. I think Dread nails it. And Punisher Warzone comes close, but yeah I, yeah, I can buy that. Okay. I can buy that. Okay, Dread's come through the velvet rope. Dread's going in. This Dread's is... slipping into the, to the crevice. Dirty bastard. This is my one chance to get at least two movies on this list All right. then. All right, come on. Picture if you will. All right, I'm picturing. The year 2009. I'm, going, I'm sliding back. I'm putting. I'm putting my fingers together to the big screen. <laughs> this is how I see. I see. I'd like to see the movie. Oh god, it's happening. Oh god. And action. Because there's a giant spider. Because spider. <laughs> <laughs> it's the year 2009, and comic book fans around the world are pretty pissed off. We've just walked out of a movie featuring one of our favourite characters in popular culture. That was not only a piece of shit and a waste of ticket money, but a disservice to every character who appeared in the film. Christ, this was the fourth entry. Surely the track record proved that even after a bumpy third chapter, the fourth could have reclaimed it. But no, it seems like we're digging a deeper hole for ourselves. And worst of all, a fan favourite cult character has been fucked up the arse with a barbed baseball bat. It took the passion of four men many pitches and a beautifully timed internet leak to finally give us in 2016 Deadpool as hey I want to shoot you I'm sorry but good god that was it was the longest labor period ever I think Ryan Reynolds called it that he said it was like the worst relationship he's ever had <laughs> with this movie because like yeah. he just he couldn't let it go he couldn't let it go but it was causing him so much pain I just can't quit you it was so worth it because Deadpool is a perfect translation from page to screen they know exactly what to lose to make it work in that format they know exactly what to keep they stay true to who the character is they understand that part of his appeal is that he is not a nice person but they give that enough shred of humanity so that as a Hollywood leading man and a superhero blockbuster you get him, you like him, you wouldn't want to come with him freaking ten foot, ten feet of him lest he do something horrible to you. His villains are generic, and he completely mocks them for that. His supporting cast are so much fun, like Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Oh, great. Yeah. Morena Baccarin, in a freaking film. Can she be in more films, please? Yes. Can she be freaking pegging Ryan Reynolds in every film she's in? Yes, please. Yes, please. Because Deadpool is Deadpool's great. I went into that movie hoping for the best. I went into that movie going, 
please don't just be a bland attempt at Deadpool, and please don't be an overstuffed, fan-wanky, this-is-appealing-to-the-people-who-dress-up-as-him-at-conventions version of Deadpool. Which I think is the, the problem that a lot I... You definitely, you definitely weren't excited reason, about this. The, yeah, the re- I was not excited about it. I was really on the fence about it until I actually sat down and watched it. Um, because of that, because of the mainstream acceptance Dead, Deadpool has Marvel gotten. made some Marvel made some weird steps in going. Yeah, well, a bit, it was a, it was very very overexposed for a while in, in late conventions. 2000s. Lots yeah. of people started dressing up as Deadpool. Let's capitalize on that. Yeah. So Deadpool became the focus of like the online games. He made appearances in kids' cartoons. He's an Ultimate Spider-Man. He's got yeah. a couple of episodes. Like too much, <clears throat> too much. The Deadpool comics have never tried to soften that. I don't know. I, I don't feel like I Daniel Way's run maybe took it a bit more cartoony, but it was still violent, and there was yeah. still he was still not a good person. Like he tried to be a hero. At one point, he decided he wanted to be a member of the X Men. He's like, "Screw it, I I I can't die, and I really wish I was dead. I can't do that. I'm starting to feel empathy and sympathy for people that I shouldn't be murdering. I'm going to be a hero. Hi, X Men, let me join your team." And yeah. they're like, uh, "We'd rather take you into custody." Because you're a murderous psychopath. He's like, oh, aren't we the best of friends? I think River Mendels and Kanye <laughs> X-Force does a better job of putting him on a team. Yes, because he's put with a team who could handle him if yeah. he suddenly flipped. Um, Deadpool should feel dangerous. He should make you laugh. He should specifically make you laugh by saying something that you know it's wrong to laugh at. And that definitely happens more than once in the movie. Ryan Reynolds is possibly one of the best superhero castings ever. And they've tried it a few times with Ryan Reynolds. Yes, good And Lord. it's not worked out. But in terms of like, when you think, wow, there is no actor who could be better suited to that role. People say that of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. I think that's because he's shown passion and enthusiasm and he's amazing. He has redefined Wolverine to the point where you can believe Wolverine can be a six foot two Australian bloke as opposed to a short, dumpy Canadian furball with, with claws. But you could recast Wolverine and do something amazing with Wolverine. We're attached to him because of the time and passion he's put into the We're going to have to recast Wolverine. Eventually, yeah. Hugh Jackman ain't doing no more after this one. Exactly. Well, he's done it now. He, he put, oh, yeah, he he put shot, a video he's, on Instagram shaving off, his, yeah. uh, shaving off his beard, didn't he? Uh, he's not even got like the, the flicky, flicky hair in this one. He's just got short hair and a beard. Um, but yeah, he got rid of it. And he declared that his wife would be delighted to know that she's not going to get any uh, like rashes from kissing anymore. Um, she's like, oh, I mean, a little too much information there. Yeah, but, uh, I don't want to know why your wife's getting rashes, Hugh. Because we're all jealous. We want to kiss you. Um, <laughs> God damn it. But like... We want to kiss you. <laughs> um, but like, for example, like, Heath Ledger is not necessarily like match made in heaven casting for the Joker. No, his a interpretation, lot of, a lot of pushback for that initially. His interpretation of the Joker is spot on and phenomenal. Perfect and amazing and, and great and wibbly wobbly, bibbly bobbly. But like, there's not many actors where they get cast, you go, yes. J. John Jameson, for example. Like, whoever's following up J.K. Simmons is screwed. Like, they're absolutely screwed because he's done it. Although I said the other day that an interesting... My, my hat in the ring for J. John Jameson uh, since Amazing Spider-Man's dead. Cast Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary as J. John Jameson would be pretty interesting. Ah, uh, no, no, no. I would go... Oh? Oh? I would go oh. with... Oh. <laughs> Did you go with Nick Offerman? He's, he's too slow. No, he's it? he's good though. <coughs> I think I think had Ron not existed, then yeah. yes. But I think I think I think it'd be too. It'd be like Ron. He needs to be someone who can do that sort of quick fire stuff. 
Leary could do it. James Woods. No. James Woods would no. be good. No. Make him sleazier rather than, than a barking dog. But anyway, J. John Jameson, yes, J.K. Simmons, that's an example of like that casting is perfect. Like that this actor and this role are married. No one else could do it as finely tuned as this. Yeah. Same yeah. with Danny Jr. and Iron Man. I would argue that that's kind of been ruined for everybody. Tony Stark is going to be a very tough act to recast one day. They'll what? just bring a teenage Robert Downey Jr. from the past. And no. Have him fight Robert no. Downey Jr. In his heavily <laughs> eyelinered reverse age version. Um, no. Ryan Reynolds <coughs> as Deadpool. Spot on. Yeah. And it made you it a Deadpool doubter believe. A, a dead da- a de- Deadpool sir? A Doubtpool. 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 You threw your Doubtpool 2015. I mean, sure, it fucks around with the characters um, like Character like other characters' history a bit. Weasel's no longer a tech guy for mercenaries. He runs a bar for mercenaries, but he's still providing that go-between role. Yeah, yeah, I can go with that. I'm fine with that. Blind Al is still Blind Al, and they're in a nice relationship in this version. Well, they treat each other like shit, but there's a definite, like, very thinly veiled admiration there for each other. (laughs) Like they, they, they would throw the other one under the bus if the opportunity arose, but. They would also, I think, give each other a leg up if it came God, to it. Whereas in the comics, their relationship is pretty horrific. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, it, it seems fine on the surface. Well, she like tries comedy... to kill him at one point. Well, it seems like a comedy relationship yeah. until you find out about the box. And that's when you go, oh, wow, Deadpool's a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, I hated Deadpool when I got up to that part of that story arc. And that was the Joe Kelly yeah, thing. Yeah, Kelly. Um, but I think that was the point. It was to remind you that he's not a nice person. No, um, no, no. So, yeah. But... I'm, I'm tripping it. I'm sticking Deadpool in there. Okay. And there's room for expansion. Thanks to characters like Colossus being in it, as simple as, as Angel and, and Ajax can be, we know that this world can continue with the more comic booky, like, flamboyant elements too. Mm. Um, plus that soundtrack. And Dupinder. In fact, I'm, I, th- I, I would put Dupinder out as the main reason why this movie should be on the list. Just Dupinder. Yes. Mr. Pool. Chris Pie Five. Um... <laughs> Sorry. I was like, my brain went, right, what was that from? Oh, God, of course, Deadpool! And then just remembered that's how he pays for his taxi fare. Yeah. Under very subtle threat of, I mean, I could just kill you. <laughs> I could. I could just kill you. <laughs> I could just kill you. <laughs> He's got an Adventure Time watch. He has a Hello Kitty backpack full of weapons. And when he does it, it's not obnoxious. He's not running up to you on a convention floor and giving you a hug. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's turning you into a kebab. A fucking kebab. <laughs> oh, I... Hello. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whose balls did I have to funnel to get my very own movie? Well, I'll give you an idea. Who's <laughs> it? What's he Rhymes with Pulverine. Pulverine. And let me tell you, he's, he's got, got a nice, nice pair of smooth criminals, Dan. I mean, come on. It breaks like eight walls in that moment alone. It acknowledges that Wolverine's a character. Oh, and that he's played by Australian actor Hugh Jackman. Fourth wall break. Inside, Inside a fourth, fourth wall break. break. That's like 16 walls. And then cuts away and doesn't even... Doesn't even <laughs> like Batman and Robin. Except she's old and black and in love with me. So just like Batman and Robin. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I bet it feels really big in this hand. Oh. I've got, I've got, yeah. It's 
Hmm. I think, and it is a good test, which we should have thought of from step one. I think if you gave the Deadpool movie to someone and said, watch Deadpool movie, and then you gave them an issue of Deadpool, they would go, yeah, that's definitely the same thing. I think you'd have to be Few very less in careful monologues. which issue of Deadpool you gave them. Uh, well, there's all of different elements, but I'd say anything from like the sort of Joe Kelly era. Couple of maybe a couple of the um, Dan Dan Way stuff, maybe early Dan Way, or any Marvel Now issue. Albeit in yeah, that, obviously he's got, a, he's got he's solid, got yeah. instead of being in a monologue, he's got a ghost inside him. But yeah, you'd go. This is definitely the same character. This is definitely what I've just watched. Eh? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Yay! One dopey superhero makes it under the list. We love <laughs> Deadpool. Up the bum. Uh, well, yes. Um, <laughs> it's like non-committal, yes. <laughs> so we have our list of five comic book movies that nailed it. I think we should definitely come back to this one. We should revisit some point. If you guys think there's one we've missed, uh, and you can actually plead your case, like really make a good point for it, don't just say, eh, "Why don't you put a Batman movie on there?" Because none of them really nailed it. No, no. Well, they all come pretty close. Well, some of them come pretty close. Well. If you want to tell us what we did wrong, because the internet's like that, isn't it, you bunch of bastards? BigDamnContact at gmail.com. We'll have a look at some of those emails in the next episode. So hop to it, all you massive fans of Electra. Hoppity skip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jennifer Garner has emailed in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she'd defend it. Um, oh, God. Scott Pilgrim, Viva Vendetta, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Dread and Deadpool. Or Dreadpool. Dreadpool. Now there's a crossover waiting to never happen. Oh, it's, it's going to happen at some point, right? Say what else going to happen at some point. It's inevitable. What? At some point, some sadistic sods out there <laughs> are going to ask us <laughs> a question we don't want to answer. Um, and they've done it again this time. God damn you all to hell. It's time you for You did it! <laughs> you blew it up! Time for our favourite segment. God damn you all to hell! And when I say favourite, I mean... Ugh. Matt and Chris, two lifelong Doctor Who fans, reluctantly answer a Doctor Who question. <laughs> now we've been sent a few <laughs> on Twitter and via email. Uh, so I'll hit the emails first because we've got a nice little batch of questions. We might answer them all, but we'll answer some of them. From our friend and yours, Lewis Christian. These aren't Doctor Who questions, though. Oh, some of these are generic questions, but he's also sent us a Doctor Who question as well. Let's get the do- I've so got a Doctor we'll, Who question we'll... up here. Oh, okay. All yeah. right, well, should we get the generic questions out of the way? No, we'll, we'll do the Doctor Who questions and then we'll do the generic questions. Oh, sorry, Lewis. We I'm said, reading it backwards. We've, we've now announced the segment. I'm we've announced reading... the Doctor Who segments, and now we have to do the Doctor Who questions. Who do you think you are? Presenter on a podcast? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Right then. Lewis's Doctor Who question. Por favor. From, <laughs> from Lewis Christian. Whose views we may... Or may not indoors. Um, <laughs> of all the existing stories on Televisual Doctor Who from nineteen sixty three to two thousand and fifteen, which ones would you enjoy seeing the ninth Doctor in? Oh, so we just switch out a Doctor to the ninth Doctor, yeah, to play that part instead. Interesting. Um, do we I... switch out companions as well? Or do we... Um, I get, yeah, tell you what. I guess, I guess, I guess a condition of that would be has to be with his respective companions so it could be Rose or Rose and Jack um let's say that shall we if we switch him out with any of the classic stories classic 
Let's not say classic Who. Let's say original run. Original run of new run. Because some of it was shit. <laughs> How dare you. Time Lash is a masterpiece. <laughs> it's a Time Lashterpiece. Eddie Collins story. Oh, God. Co- no, 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 Colin gets some good stories. Attack of the Cybermen. Okay, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, actually, no, I think it'd be brilliant in Vengeance on Varus, actually. Do you think so? I think it has a lot of similar themes to Bad Wolf. Ooh, now you've said it. That's camp. Ooh, now you've said it. Oh, now I've said it. Rose spots in at the Perry Roll. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't. Sounds like a weird sushi item. Maybe Chris Ferguson doesn't push someone into an acid bath. Maybe he doesn't do that. <laughs> Let's put that out there. You won't mind if I don't join you. <laughs> I'm a murderer! Oh! Hey! Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, Vengeance on Varos, maybe. That's a good, that's a good show, Can we actually. try one for each Doctor? Uh, yeah, go on. Uh, Alright, uh, if it's Hartnell, I'd chuck him into the Romans, because I'd want to see him bungle his way through pretending to be the musician. Hello, we're the Romans! Uh... <laughs> Plus, uh, like, hey, I think considering R- Jack's going to die horrifically from a Dalek execution and Rose is going to have her head killing her, killing her, my head is killing me. If that's going to happen, <laughs> stick them into the Romans. That gives Jack and Rose a bit of time, because let's face it, Jack wouldn't, like, go the way he ended. It gives them a bit of time to chill out on some lounges with some grapes, wearing togas, while the Doctor gets caught up in some hilarious mishap. Where he's mistaken for a musician by a psychotic season. Absolute japes. <laughs> We're talking April, May, and June, fool. Um, <laughs> that's right, suckers. See, um, Troughton's a tricky one because there's not that many of them around. Do you think Weber Fear? I want to see him. In, yeah. I want to see. I want to see him back in London in in the underground complaining what about, about the tube. What about the war games? <laughs> what about his indignancy at what the uh, War games would be interesting because ah, the war games would be interesting because obviously he's he was born from war, and he wants to run away from conflict. But that means he'd have to meet the Time Lords at the end. And what's kind of nice about the Ninth Doctor is he doesn't get the the satisfaction of knowing his people are alive. That's true. But okay, do the war games, but cut out episode ten. Have some other force. Come Do a version them. of the war games. Yeah. Plus watching Eccleston for ten hours. Not a bad thing. Not ten hours. It's about five. No. Um, Pertwee, Pertwee, Pertwee. Dirty little Pertwee. Filthy little Pertwee. How are you? The Green Death. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. It's an eco, eco slant. He meets an ally in, uh, in Cliff that he's initially fractious with because Cliff clearly has designs on Rose. Yeah. Um, or Inferno, Eccleston meeting evil versions of all his mates. Of all his mates, yeah. Well, he doesn't have that many mates. And they were point. all wearing eye patches. <laughs> um, oh, um, stick him in the Time Warrior. Have him stranded yeah. in medieval times, one Sontara and one enemy to fight. Because again, it's an, an enemy who deals in violence, and he has to talk him out of it. He's got to use his words because he doesn't want conflict. Plus, that means Rose gets to have the hefty sort of Sarah Jane subplot of, like, they've both got their own kind of plot going on. I think that's actually and interesting. Converge. It'd be interesting to see, like, how these stories would turn out differently with a different Doctor as well. <sighs> there's got there's got to be a... There's got to be a cheeky little sort of... Um, <laughs> a cheeky little sideline of Big Finish Audios and that. Yep. Get on it, Briggs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you've not already, you probably have. <laughs> 
<laughs> whatever, you, and whatever you do, make it good uh, good value for money. Gotta Char- keep it coming. Twenty nine ninety nine a Gotta crank out. Gotta crank up me big finish. Gotta keep them coming. Big finish. We love money. Um, uh, so <laughs> of course they do. They're Tom company. Tom 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 It's Tom Genesis. I want to see the nice Doctor Square off against Davros. Considering good. what he was going to do to that Dalek in the bunker, imagine what he could do if he knew he could stop it. Very good. That'll be fun. Uh, as for Peter! There's Peter Davidson! <laughs> oh, mint. Um, oh, Black Orchid, if only to make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I want to see, I want to see Jack awkwardly do the Charleston. Um... Just awkwardly moving his feet uh, around for no reason. <laughs> wonderful. Um, John Barrowman, we're going to make him do the Charleston. Why? Because apparently he can do the Charleston. So we're going to write sure. that in as a plot point and he's going to do it for two minutes. And there's going to be two Billy Pipers walking around. <laughs> there we go. Caves of Androzani. And at one point, excitingly, they'll drive to a train station and then drive away from the train station <laughs> again. <laughs> With Eccleston, I think he'd make that interesting. He could bring some gravitas to that absolute pointless story. Um... Uh, we said, what did you say? Vengeance for Colin. Yeah. Colin. Oh, Colin. For... You were the best that you could be. Well, with, with Sylvester the McCoy, like... thing since JMT. Survival is basically Colin. a knife out story anyway. Yes. Um... If we live like animals, if we fight like animals, we'll die like what animals, about, Rose. What about Ghostlight? <clears throat> Ooh. No. Oh, no. Shit I off. love Ghostlight. Shit light. off. Shit off. No. I mean, don't shit off. But um, you did that before and it was terrifying. Yeah. I was left on my own. Um, everybody's dead, though. Um, oh, what, oh, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, shit! What's the one? What's the one from series Sylvester's first series with with Ken Dodd? Uh, uh, Delta and the Bannermen. Delta and the Bannermen. Because that story again is like, what the hell is Some going on here? Fucking mess. Watching Eccleston deal with that, would just be, he would just be like. What's happening? What the hell is this? What is this nightmare? What is this crazy crap? Um, what, what, what the hell's going on here? Also, that's the story where uh, Sylvester accidentally gropes a lady's breast. So, uh, watch out uh, for that next time you're watching Delta and the Bannermen. Well, we say accidentally. Yeah. Oh, hello. Um, I'm just going to play your spoons. There's a ferret in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then again, Great Show on the Galaxy. Uh, yeah, Great Show on the Galaxy. That's Sylvester, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun with Eccleston. See what party tricks he brings out. I've not seen Great Show. He starts performing a dramatic monologue instead of juggling things and playing what about, the spoons. What about Paradise Towers? No, because I'd still be bored to death. <laughs> because, 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 there's a great idea in that story. There is a great idea in that story. But, Eccleston's gravitas <laughs> would just highlight even more how stupid Briar's turn is in the last episode. You know, when he's walking around all possessed and shit. Oh, God. Uh, which Paul McGann story should we switch him into? Night of the Doctor. <laughs> the webcomic of Sharda. Uh, um, um, yeah, yeah let's, not, let's not go beyond that, because that'd be um, complicated. He could be in any of the Mon series stories. Actually, let's put him in every Matt, every Matt Smith series 6 story onwards and every Capaldi story, because he might then actually save it. Oh! Oh, digs, 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 digs. Not, not digs. Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi, by the way. We no, love those guys. Those two are amazing. Um, they're, they're amazing, and I would... I should would we take this to Sonic their screwdrivers. Should we take this to Twitter? 
Yes. This one is from Agent Sean Bassett. What's he, what's he asking, Matt? What the hell is he bothering us for? Why are you bothering us? It's not like we asked you to send in questions. Who would win in a fight? The K1 robot or Tegan Yavanka? Tegan should use sonars <laughs> to blow its head. Can we run and run and run like a hamster in a car? I'm going to make it to Heathrow now. In a wrecky old TARDIS. I'm gonna make it! She'd just completely, completely blow its head up. That would pretty much be the way it goes. Uh, that would just be, it would be disgusting. I'm going to Heathrow! And so simple at the same time. Um, so yeah, Tegan, obviously. Daniel Potter asks a pretty involved question. Daniel wants to know, what are your favourite Doctor Who books? You can have one fiction and one non-fiction, which implies the fact books count, I guess? Favourite Doctor Who non-fiction and fiction? Um, that is obscure and odd as a question. Uh, um, I don't know where the hell we'd go with that one. I mean, fiction non Non-fiction is the weird one, because I don't really... <laughs> I guess I guess you'd, you'd have to do the writer's tale? Yeah. Oh, God, um, well, there you go. Yeah, which counts. It has Doctor Who on yeah. the cover. That counts. It's basically... And, it, and like, if you're interested in the production of TV at all... It's just a good book because it goes into the whole depth of how you get a series on screen and the, the process of making it work. Plus funny pictures. And yeah, and, and also pictures. Russell T. Davis is just a funny guy. As for fiction, I've not um, read enough like Virgin New Adventures or BBC books from the, from the 90s. I've so read a whole bunch of them. I'd probably say Monster Inside from the 2005 stuff. Chris Axton and Blatherine and Ooh. other stuff. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Alien Bodies from the um, Dirty BBC Bastard. Books range. All right, okay. Which is a Lawrence Miles, <laughs> Lawrence Miles joint. But the problem, the problem with like Doctor Who expanded media is the same as the problem with Star Wars expanded media, both before the Disney cut and after the Disney cut. <laughs> a lot of it's a bit shit. Yeah. Uh, frankly, it's not the much doctor. to it. Well, hey, they, they, um, hey, technically, it's just keeping up the tone of what they've actually established with the show. Hey, a lot of it's a bit. Um, <laughs> So he says, uh, no, this is, this, this, you have to wade through so much guff to get to the gems, mm-hmm. which are out there. Like, there's some real, like, you go, for, like, the Star Wars stuff, for example, you go back and read that original Thorn trilogy, that's pretty good. But then for every one of those, you've got ten, um, short story compilations of each character from the cantina getting their own short story. And, because what we need is a webcomic oh, where God. Chewie and Han, Crash the Falcon, and Han need. dies there, and then it skips need. forward several thousand years, and Indiana Jones finds his body. That's a real thing, by the way, that exists. Well, the Star Wars because exists. people in the internet have too much time on their hands. Uh, have you read the Star says Wars? the sad bastard doing a podcast about stuff. Have you read the Star Wars about. Infinities? No, because so, I I have a life. The in, the Infinities. Are, I can't even say that lie with a straight face. The Infinities are four issue minis that right. they did one for A New Hope, one for Empire, one for the Jedi, okay. and they're basically what if versions of the movies. Why? So, Infinities Why? A New Hope is all about what if Luke missed the shot. Why? Infinities Empire Strikes Back is what if Luke dies on Hoth. Why? And these are all bleak. What's the point? Oh yeah, they're real bleak. Although all um, of your intergalactic pals Infinities, are dead, Infinities with a New Hope does end with Yoda yeah. commandeering the Death Star. Of course, the now the now uh, renamed the Justice Star, <laughs> and crashing it into the Imperial Palace on Coruscant. I don't know what sickens me more. <laughs> it's just nuts. I don't know what sickens me more. The fact that someone went, so, "This is a great idea," or that you've read them. Yes, yeah, so the reason that we've not ploughed through a lot of the 
Doctor Who expanded universes for the same reason that we haven't played through a lot of the Star Wars expanded universe. It's too much of it, and not enough of it's good. Um, have so we got any more Doctor Who questions? Uh, we've got one amidst this. Answer. Lewis Christian, whose views you may or may not endorse, okay. sent us a little burst of five questions, and I think we should answer them uh, too sweet. All right. Because we're already overrunning, oh, shit. and All right. uh, I need a piss. Hey! So, hello, Chris cool. and Matt, all caps. Hello. He's aware of our infinity for infinite hats. That's not a thing. I have some miscellaneous questions for thee both. All things geeky. And at the end of the email, it says, Love from the ever-lovable Lewis Christian, if that is my real name. <laughs> and then, uh, in asterisks, loud slurping of pineapple sounds, which I think is a reference to the five doctors. Richard Herndall sucking pineapple. <laughs> Before the editor goes, oh yeah, we should probably cut to the next scene. Is that before or after he blows Herndall's horn? Goodness me, it's the TARDIS! (laughs) Christ alive. Oh, I need to watch the fine box. We'll read his bonus question first. Have you been to any conventions? If so, what's your favourite one? Uh, I've been to many. I don't have usually fond memories of them, apart from meats. There's lots of sweaty people in a really big room. Everything's expensive and you have no idea what's going on. Getting a photo with Stanley was cool, but kind of depressing. Um, in a weird way, which I'll get into another time. Meeting Jason Muse was awesome because we chatted for ages. Paul McGann, that was a fun little meet. Yeah. And my first ever convention was a uh, formerly the GMX, now Manchester Central. Yeah. Which was originally Manchester Central. <laughs> um, where me and my little brother uh bumped into Danny John Jules on his way back to his table, and he chatted with us for five minutes. How was he looking? That was a cool memory. He's looking nice! His hair's looking nice! His suit's looking nice! He's looking nice! I'm looking nice! Um, but yeah, uh, we should just, we'll, we'll, you know what, Lewis? Just for you, we'll host a convention just for you. Come on over. Uh, we'll charge you £10 a minute to talk to us. We'll do yeah. a talk about that time we charged we'll you £10 sesh. a minute. We'll do a photo sesh. We'll sell you some merch from the table at a markup. Yeah. yeah and, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll send you home with a load of free shit that you, you're just gonna have to I mean, you're just going to set fire to it. See you there, Lewis. It's going to be amazing. £45 pre-order. £105 for the gold pass. You have your five questions at high speed. Go. Go. Have either of you seen the new Westworld TV show? Not yet. Nope. Are either of you excited (laughs) for the upcoming Netflix version of A Series of Unfortunate Events? If you listened to an episode not too long ago, yes. last week's episode. Oh my God, my inner 14-year-old is bursting at the seams. That is a disgusting mental image. Question three, which actor... (laughs) Which actor um, who's played the Doctor would make the best Joker if you had to cast one of them? Tennant. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. That's undisputed. Um, who is the best Holly and Red Dwarf? Love it or Haydridge? Haydridge. Oh! Love it. Haydridge. I love Haydridge, but there's something about everybody's dead, Dave. Like, just that original. Yeah, it is break. awesome, but then, like, Hattie Haydridge, not only did she right. do it for longer. Look, we can agree to disagree. Queeg. Queeg is the best Holly. And there question five, who are you going to call? Um, Someone else. <laughs> anybody else as a Casper quote are you going to answer the call Tris no <laughs> answer the, the the fucking DVD is tagline as answer the call it's Ghostbusters answer the call why is it tagline answer the call no one answers a call in that movie because live die repeat edge of tomorrow oh, fucking hell <laughs> that was Sony as well wasn't it all you need is kill oh oh Oh, what, can, what should we call our movie? I don't know. We'll call it one thing, then we'll call it another thing for the trailers, then it'll come out and no one will know what it is, and then we'll call it another thing when the DVD comes out so no one knows to buy the DVD. Oh, this money didn't make enough movie. I wonder what... This, this money didn't make enough movie. <laughs> this money! This money didn't make enough movie! I wonder why! Well... <laughs> with my voice shot, my bladder full, 
and Matthew's brain I can't speak anymore smeared across the walls I think we should bid you oh please do adieu for this week uh, at least for now if you want to get in touch you know the drill big damn cast on twitter big damn contact at gmail.com if you want to send us longer words um, <laughs> we don't respond to gifts we do respond to checks uh, and also bigdamblog.tumblr.com for everything and anything that we put out there uh, is there anything you want to plug in the meanwhile um, my stoma. My butt. <laughs> oh, filthy that. <sighs> Let's go. Let's leave. I think we've done enough. Yeah. This is like that news review bit where we just banter while the theme tune plays. I need some papers to shuffle. I really, I really want to see that. I'm going to shuffle my keyboard instead. Slap <laughs> 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 <laughs>